For the next three weeks, we want to sit back and we want to talk about who we are as a church, as a community, and uh, what we're all about. So we're sort of pausing, and then we're going to pick it up uh, in October. So uh, if you're our guest here, just to, to give you the heads up of where we're going. So let's pray. Father, Lord, um, if we're going to be the kind of church that you want us to be, we're going to have to be empowered. We're going to have to be instructed and changed by your spirit. And uh, your, your word tells us that you have started a good work in each of us. So God, in these next few moments, be a natural part of the work of God in our hearts is my prayer. Amen. Uh, pastor, author, uh, teacher Erwin McManus said that the future is waiting inside your imagination. Think about that for a minute. The future is waiting inside your imagination. So deep down inside of all of us is there this need to create, to be part of a process, to, uh, to do something that brings to our world something that is beautiful, something that is good uh, and true, and in order to allow our souls become alive. And when we do simple things, like you think about just even doing simple things, it allows us to become alive. Simple things like holding the door open for somebody or helping or assisting, something comes alive. And it's not the quality of the ingredients that we use to build our lives that matters, but we all care about the process that we use as well. There's a process that's involved in all of this. It's kind of like cooking, and I said before, I spent... Uh, the first about 10, 14 days of my holidays, just watching the cooking channel. I kid you not. That's all I watched. It would drive everybody nuts. I was just watching the cooking channel. And what I would do is I'd sit there and I'd be looking at that favorite dish and I'd try to make it better and better and better. And so now that favorite dish, that focus of mine is ribs. And I'm trying to make it better and better and better. In the same way, God has something to say about how we craft our lives. To me, imagination, future, vision, it all goes hand in hand. And vision is this elusive thing that sort of dares to dream big dreams about the future. And vision has been called a hope. It's been called a blueprint. And vision is what uh, an inventor has when he or she thinks outside the box in order to create something new. And so vision uh, is what a mother has when she looks at her newborn baby and imagines all that this child can be and grow up to be. And so here at Seoul, if you did not know this, we do have a vision statement. Uh, our vision is, is to be based, uh, is a community uh, of spiritual refuge for all people, a community um, uh, based in the grace of God to facilitate repair for those who are hurting in all areas of life. A community that rejuvenates and equips and empowers people to fulfill their God-given destiny. Or simply put, we just say our vision is refuge, repair, rejuvenation. That's what this church is about. And so we acknowledge the fact that everybody's on a journey. Everybody in this world's on a spiritual journey, and not everybody's on the same place on the path. And so we desire on a Sunday to create this sort of non-threatening environment where microphones just blow up, guitar strings go, like everything can go wrong, it goes wrong, and that's just the way it is. But it's not about a polished performance, it's about doing life together. And so uh, we desire to create this environment that we call soul sanctuary, that where it's going to help people know Jesus Christ. It's going to help people know others because we need that relationship. It's also going to help people to grow in their relationship with Christ and with others and eventually to go and serve Christ and others. 
That's the purpose of why we come together here. And 1 Corinthians 2 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And so God is currently at work in each and every one of us, and he's got things prepared for us to do. What does God want to do this year? That becomes the question. Things we have not seen before. How big is that? You know, what does God have for you to do in cooperation with the community of Soul Sanctuary? Open your phones, maybe your, uh, your, your iPhones, your iPads, or your eyelids if you're falling asleep at this point in time, and turn with me to Galatians. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 to 10 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. He's writing to the church. He says, don't get tired of doing what is good, because at just the right time, you're going to reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So there's work there. Therefore, when we ever have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially, interesting enough, he goes, especially those to the family of faith. There's something about coming together as a community and, and lifting one another and doing good to each other as a community. And every person in the local church, every person with an earshot of my voice this morning, live stream, etc., needs to realize that they have a significant part to play in God's big picture. Our lives are not our own. Our purpose is about uh, the lost and dying world that we find ourselves in, and it's not about us. But rather, it's, it's a relationship component to this whole meaning of existence in which we find ourselves. Our relationship with God and our relationship with each other is the primary issue of who we are as believers. How we see that played out becomes an interesting question. Let me say it like this. There is nothing more valuable on earth to God than his church. There's nothing more valuable on earth to God than his church. The church is imperfect, but when we look at it, we see that the church is the hope of the world. And at Seoul, we're about refuge. We say that. You know, it's a place where people, they come and they find sanctuary. I, I hear it all the time. I just need refuge. I just need refuge. The local church gathers together weekly, aside from life groups. And, 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 and it's interesting that we live in this world that appears to be pulling away from attending church. I don't need to go to church. Jerry, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Well, we know that. It's no difference. As Chesterton said, it's no difference than standing in a car makes, uh, garage makes you a car. But something that just boggles my mind. God's favor rests upon the church, not the building, the people gathered. God's favor rests upon the people gathered. And it's interesting because uh, um, when we gather together to worship him, there's an element of encouragement that happens with one another. We're relational beings. We need each other. We need people. Some of you go, I don't need people. No, ultimately, we, we need people. And it's so ironic. Uh, and, and in some cases, actually troubling for me when I hear believers say, I don't need to go to church every week. And now, today's going to be amen or ouch. It's up to you what you want to say. But that's the reality of it is. And yet, I open the New York Times, I read the Huffington Post, and I see that when you read these things, they have articles about the benefit of going to church. So not Christian media, you know, so-called secular media has articles about the benefit of attending regular church services or gathering. Society at large tells us how important regular church attendance is. 
And I didn't make any of this up, and I don't have my details up to, to back up my facts, but if you really want to know, I'll gladly release all that to you. But, it, you know, if you go to church regularly, you're 22% less likely to be clinically depressed. You're more likely to manage your life and your time better. If you're a regular attender to church, you're more likely to complete your degrees and achieve other academic milestones. And you're likely to have an increased mental well-being. And if these aren't enough, regular church attendances, they live significantly longer than the general population. Up to 7 to 14 years longer than non-religious people. Figure that one out. Regular church attendees find that their marriages are stronger and you're more likely to have orgasms and high levels of sexual satisfaction in relationships. This place should be packed. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it should be packed. What's the matter with you? If you're married, you don't come to church regularly? I question your sex life. I'm just throwing it out there. Merely believing in the value of church attendance isn't good enough. Only those who actually attend church events regularly experience many of these benefits. And some of the benefits are shown to increase with more frequent attendance. Couples? You know, for years, secular researchers, they looked at these studies, they asked, are these benefits unique to churchgoers? Could we create a church-like experience for people who don't believe in God and compare secular support groups with faith-based groups, you know, Judeo-Christian faith groups? And, you know, strangely, they can't. They, there, there is no comparison. There seems to be a monopoly on, on, on the church. And I'm, you know, all I'm suggesting is this. And maybe you hear you're not a believer, maybe a friend brought you, and that's pretty cool, but what if the Bible is true? What if our pleasure and enjoyment really are a spiritual issue rather than a circumstantial issue? What if God cranks up our enjoyment and pleasure of life when we put him first? What if God is so aware of our idolatrous, uh, idolatrous tendencies that he dials back our enjoyment sort of as a protective mechanism unless we become the proverbial moth attracted to the flame? I see this church not as it is. I see this church as it will be. It started in our house. We started in a TV uh, studio theaters. Now look where we are. We're not even done. We're just getting going. And there's so much potential and there's just so much benefits to when the body of Christ comes together. And if we take it seriously, what would it look like if Christians followed Jesus and not just believed in Jesus? That's a loaded question. God's not interested in making us religious. God is interested in making you new. And it's a step-by-step -step process. You know, as I said earlier, God has favor on his church. We should be reuniting around that idea no matter what. Let's come together. Let's agree that God has a plan, that, that it's plan A. There is no plan B for God. He looks at us, the church. He says, you are my plan. And the church, our church, needs to be Jesus-centered. It needs to be grace-filled. It needs to be culture-created. And we must be a thermostat for our community. It's beautiful now. we got like hundreds of people coming in every day playing bridge. I don't even know what that is. But they do it. And I get to stand up there and I get to welcome them. And, and uh, 
I get hand claps from these people. I don't know why. Uh, but I just welcome into our home. How can our community serve you and build relationship? And that's what, what it's about. And, you know, it, it, it is us. It is the church that will change the climate and the attitude of how people are going to see the church in Jesus Christ. And that's why we even encourage you to ask people nine easy words. Would you like to go to church with me? Just come. Just come with me. You know, maybe you think, well, why should I go to church? You know, I'm here. This is my one month. Average church attendance is uh, um, uh, once every seven weeks in Canada. So, you know, we talk to our pastoral friends. We go, like, do you have this problem? And, and they say, no, their churches are perfect. So it's just, you know, our church that is the worst. And... Uh, it's, it, yeah, there, there's this decline because our society is so, you know, absorbing everything else. So you're sitting there, well, why go to church? Well, let me just simply say this. This is not me. This is scripture. Hebrews 10 says, not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. All and all the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, you can't love Jesus and ignore his bride. You can't love Jesus and ignore the church. You cannot practice the commands of Scripture like love one another and ignore the gathering of coming together as a church. You can't ignore the command. It's a command. Don't stop gathering together. You can't ignore the command of Hebrews 10.25. So why go to church? So I sat down and I thought, okay, I'm going to give you about a hundred different reasons. You ready? If not, I, you know, I already got a bunch of other stuff, especially for married couples. But here, why not? You know? You'll have the opportunity to worship God. You'll likely have some big life questions possibly answered. Why go to church? Because the preaching of the Bible will help set the direction for your life. And you'll probably make some new friends. And you'll probably see some old friends. You know, I'm always amazed at, at what a group of friends could persuade each other to do. We were talking and reminiscing over the summer of some of the stupid things we did as friends. You know, uh, don't do this, all right, but at camp... We talked about how cars were speeding down a gravel road and we would get up and go across the roof or across the hood. And I remember falling off, you know, but it was all peer pressure. It was all just because, you know, Wes got out of the car, I got out of the car. You know, that's just the way it was. Falling off a car at 40 miles an hour, bouncing off the back tire, getting all burnt up with like, just stupid stuff we did. It was amazing what friends would do. And what I've learned is that friends can affect our behavior in some pretty ridiculous ways. You know, for better or for worse. And if you, and you know, we're not just talking about peer pressure. You know, if you, your friends can actually affect your physio physiology. Having supportive friends doubles your odds of surviving cancer. Having supportive friends doubles your odds of surviving stroke and heart disease. That's right. It doubles your odds of surviving these diseases when you have supportive people around you. Research indicates we can significantly predict happiness, stress, memory loss, weight, uh, life expectancy, and the odds of quitting smoking based on the person's quantity and quality of friends. One study found uh, your odds of exercising increases by percent when you have a large number of friends. 
Isn't that interesting? Cheering you on. So the implication is clear. God created us to live in fellowship with one another. We need each other. And even more, your friendships are perhaps the biggest predictor of your happiness. Think about that. It might sound strange, but you can actually catch emotions like a virus, be it positive or negative. You ever been into a, I don't know, a high school camp with hormonal influxes? Do you know of which I speak? And how it affects everything? Our guys just came back from camp two weeks ago. It's there. There's something about hanging out with other people that actually affects our body chemical makeup. And even more amazing, research shows that simply being a Christian or sporadically attending a church gathering isn't enough. You have to attend it consistently on a weekly basis and be connected with close Christian friends to experience these clinical benefits. Research proven. Why is our society going the other way? And conversely, your emotional and chemical makeup can be downgraded when you hang out with the wrong kinds of people. Teens, this is one reason why your parents care about who you hang out with. Right, parents? Thank you. Or ouch, right, kids? You know, research on sports teams has revealed that even when a team has an amazing win-loss record, the team can have a depressed outlook if certain emotionally expressive teammates are struggling or have terrible attitudes. And that's why they, they, they kick off sometimes the best player, they trade away the best player, because, yeah, they may be the best player, but they're bringing everybody else down. And this is why the Bible constantly tells us to be cautious of our relationships. Numerous scriptures, this is just a few. You know, what if your current emotional state is more the product of who you hang out with than the circumstances of your life? Is it, are you down? Well, who are you hanging out with? Is it bringing you down? All the circumstances, things that can affect our happiness, your friends are, are one of the top predictors, but far more than your income, your location, or place on the authority chart. It's the people we hang out with. We need encouragement. We need to be uplifted. We need to be supported in our tough times. We need, there are times where we can't pray. We need to have our friends come around us and begin to pray for us. And what's crazy is that as I share these facts, there are, there are going to be very various people here in these two gatherings today that are going to be disturbed by what I'm talking about. You can't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. Yeah? Yeah? And, and part of this is because of the changing relationships may require us to make now some uncomfortable decisions, especially if we're hanging out in bad situations. It might require that you have to break up with somebody, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It can, might require that it necess necessitate that you've got to switch a job. Maybe you have to fire a certain talented employee. You might even need to confront a complicated issue with a family member. You know, over the years, I've had to make a lot of various changes on various leadership teams. And some of these teams were performing well from a number standpoint, yet maybe the attitudes and the stress tells a different story from behind the teams. In the end, all I had to do was remove a few people and weather the fallout for a season, and suddenly everybody was productive and, and having fun again. That's part of doing a job of leadership. And you know the free business owners and managers, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not surrounded 
by God, God, passionate God-seekers who are staying filled with God's Spirit, you're going to struggle to find the motivation and the joy that others seem to have. But your relational network can affect far more than this. It's your, very, your, your, your ability to unearth your calling is at stake when you have people just sucking the life right out of you. And that's what the church is not to be about. And why do we attend church? Because being there is a sign of our discipleship. It truly is. Being there will encourage your pastors and leaders. And trust me, we need that. Why attend church? Because you'll be encouraged in your walk with God. And at the same time, you'll likely encourage other people to walk with God. Why should I attend church? Well, if you're single, maybe you're going to meet somebody. Score! Just saying. Just throwing it out there. Also, you, it will help you define what you believe. It will help you understand the Bible. Drives me nuts when, oh, this is what I believe. Well, where did you get that? I just made it up. Yeah, okay, great. That's not what the Bible talks about. That's why we pick a book and we walk through it. Parents, why attend church? Well, if you have kids, it will teach them to value God and His church. It will help you develop your children's self-confidence, and your, and your children will learn the Bible. Think about that. You know, I just, I was reading this morning. Sorry, i got to pull this up. Oh, I didn't send it to myself. Dummy. It says that kids learn 80% from their parents. So if kids learn 80% from our parents, and we bring our children to church, and we expect the church to teach them spirituality, they're only going to get 20% of their spirituality taught to them from the church. The rest they learn from you. You think about that. Are you teaching your kids? That's a wow. You know, attending church regularly will give you an outlet for service, ministry. It can help you develop your personal relationships, your own leadership style and influence. And when you attend church regularly, you'll, you'll sing inspirational songs that will carry you during the week. And it will encourage you. And it will encourage you to know that even in the tough time, when the storms come, that God is good. Attending church will help you look outside yourself and, and it will provide an opportunity for you to give financially for those in need and not to mention you'll receive love from uh, uh, other people. There's a lot of people like to hug here. I find that terrifying. But you'll be able to show your love towards others. I prefer the fist pump, all right? The elbow hit. That's me, but you know, it's there. And one of the ways you can do this is, you know, jumping on board. You want to show love. Sit one, serve one campaign that we're doing. You sit back in one gathering, you serve in the other. We have a number of people who are doing this. But there's so much more room for more. We can use people to be encouragers in that parking lot when people are coming in. They're not there to park your car. They're there to help you. If you need help, moms, dads, you got kids, you just can't do it anymore. Ask the guys and the ladies in the parking lot to help you. We'll bring your kids in here and then run, but we'll bring the kids in here. We'll help you out. We want to encourage you. We want to welcome you. There's so many places that we can plug in to serve other people. You know, I want to take a moment to recognize some of our summer interns this year. Mike Monday, Elson Craker, Andrew Davison, and Andrew Ketting. These stood out this summer. Every year we get a government grant. Are any of them here right now? Mr. Ketting, Stan, anybody else here? I think they're, they're all working. Oh, well, I, see, I saw Andrew. Andrew's on staff. Stan, I'm making him stand. You stand. All right. Great. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate your work. 
Outstanding. Outstanding work. Yeah, we get government grants and we bless people. These went above the call to help us out. You know, when we attend regularly and we build this community, you're going to hear about the great things that God's doing in his church locally and throughout the earth. You're going to, uh, uh, if you attend, you'll be prayed for regularly. You'll be also able to pray for other people. You know, when that happens, you're likely to hear and be encouraged by the way God answers prayers. You're likely to be able to give praise reports and share stories of God working your life and the lives of others. That is what makes it work. What is a, what is a trophy story? What's God doing in the week? When you attend, you'll be able to worship God with other like-minded people and most importantly, have an opportunity to introduce a friend if they come with you, right? Nine easy words to know Christ. You get that opportunity. And let's be honest, you probably got nothing better to do because watching TV or sleeping in isn't any better. When you think about it, going to church regularly, it's good to have your views and opinions challenged. It's, it may, blows my mind how many people will email me and say, you know, this is what I believe. I want to know if your church lines up with that. My response is, you come six weeks in a row. Come six weeks in a row, and let's see where we go with that. If you just want, you know, somebody to regurgitate, and there's no spiritual challenge, then what's the point? We're here to challenge one of the iron sharpens iron. You know, we need this. We need regular reminders of who we are in our positions of Christ. Add to that, it's going to help you acknowledge and confess your sins, not to mention it helps you to be in the world and not of it. It is so important that we gather together because it will help you end one week and then start your next with the right focus. And it's a break from work, unless, of course, you're staff at church. And, you know, that's just the way it is. It will help you put your life story into the grand narrative of Scripture. You will see God's thumbprint and, and work upon you. It will remind you that you have nothing to fear. It helps take your focus off yourself when we gather together in times of worship and onto God, and it brings perspective, and it feeds our soul. We need that. Because gathering together regularly strengthens our faith and the discipline of going it will help you be disciplined in other areas of life, not to mention it will allow for support in times of need. It will help increase your ability to cope with the trials of life. You know, in case you didn't know, this, this regularly attending church will positively influence future generations. We saw that this Friday night. We, the Next Generation team, all the volunteers came and they got blessed by our leaders. And there's this positive influence to the next generations that's being there. Sharon and I look at the influence that people have had on our family and our kids. And it's this church. It's people who cared. It's people who took the time, effort, and energy and poured into there. And that, that regular attendance gives eternal hope. And it will, give it, you, it will help you as well to know what you believe as well. It will help you to know what you stand for. And it will help you to know what you are more for than what we are against. That's why we come together. 
That's why it's so important that we mark our calendar. Because it's going to allow you to be disciplined. It's going to allow you to be mentored. It's going to allow you to be pastored. You're going to learn about Jesus. You're going to have the opportunity to get to know him. You'll, have, you'll find acceptance. You'll be loved as well as you can love other people there. And the beauty of it is when we come together in the times of worship and times of prayer, when you think about it, real forgiveness is found. The gathering of God's people will, will draw you closer to God. You'll begin to meet other like-minded people. And one of the main reasons is when we come together, we know that he inhabits the praises of his people. Jesus is here. And we're not alone. We may be alone all week, but we can come together and realize we're not alone. And as we do regular attendance, as we come together regularly, it helps us in this process with what we call sanctification, this, this process of becoming more God-like, more holy, so to speak. And we learn more about God, and we learn more about ourselves and the Bible and others. And we begin to see growth, and we begin to see the, the, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And add to that, it will bring with it tangible and intangible blessings. Not to mention that it's a declaration when we come together. We are believers. That's who we are. Attending regularly will give you something to talk about at work, especially when people look at you and say with astonishment, you go to church? You just look at them and say, you don't go to church? What's the matter with you? You need it. Of all the people in the office, man, you need it. And you invite them. Hey, would you like to come to church with me? No, your church is crazy. It's a cult. Yeah, so is ours. Come. We drink Kool-Aid. <clears throat> And believe it or not, regular attendance will result in you being planted. And being planted will help your life flourish. And as a direct result of that is, is that it reflects a life that is lived beyond yourself, which will bring joy to your life when you're planted, when you're rooted, when you flourish. And finally, listen, when we gather together regularly, believe it or not, it will literally change your life for eternity. Not just coming together and sitting in the building, but being involved in the whole process. Why go regularly? Well, in my not-so-humble opinion, you'd be crazy not to go, especially with all the reasons I presented to you this morning. Crazy. Just as marriage is God's idea, the church is God's idea. And so when we come together, Christianity is not a biblical truth buffet, right? Where we hold our noses and pass over the items that fail our personal test. Well, I don't I'm just This is what I want to do. This is how I see my life, my culture. We do not set the menu of truth. God does. And what's the menu of truth? It's the scriptures. So let's open the scriptures up and let's let it speak. And we need to be regularly gathering together to understand that, to get that, to get that flow. And all that to say, it's more important that you, hear me carefully, it's more important that you be the church than you go to church. You got me? You, you hear the difference? It's more important that you be the church than you go to church. But there's something about gathering together. So here at Seoul, we're all about refuge. <laughs> refuge <laughs> and garbage yeah <laughs> but there needs to be more it's not about just coming and hiding refuge is who we are but refuge means the gathering together it's about sanctuary do you know what sanctuary is 
Sanctuary is when we come and it's safety and it's healing and it's peace and it's more. And we need that, not weekly. We need that daily. And that's why we come together. Now, if you're a guest this morning, we encourage you to attend six weeks in a row, really, to see what we're all about. Come, take it all in. In a few weeks, on October 1st to be exact, uh, we're going to host what we call Engage, and that's a special lunch that will follow the second gathering. And it's just for our newcomers, and some of our old folks as well are going to be around there. And it's a lunch. It's nothing more. It's just starting to build uh, a community, old-fashioned hospitality. And then we have this next step that we call growth tracks, and those begin on October 16th, and they're the next four weeks, and they go from there. They run on the Sundays. They follow the gathering. They're going to include not only a free lunch, um, but we're going to tell you all about Seoul, all the areas that you, where you're able to get involved. Like, actually, Church 101 is our history. It gives you our history, our vision, our governance. Uh, we talk about giving, everything you need to know about the operations of Seoul. That's why I don't like answering people's questions. Come, experience, figure out who we are, go through the place. We have it a, a wonderful next step for you. But we want you not just to, you, this is not a consumer place where you come and shop. And you pick what you like and not. Come and experience. Come and invest. Come and give it a good chance. Come and take the demo. Here it is. In 201, we give you some practical tools that you can grow in your relationship with God. 301, we take you through a personality, a spiritual gifts assessment, so to speak. 401, we talk to you about our dream team. We talk about where you can make a difference. And then you, you have this chance, this opportunity to start making a difference by being informed, by receiving detailed descriptions of every area where you can go. And maybe, you know, I don't feel called to, to do here, but I need this service somewhere, support somewhere else. We're here to cheer you on. It's not just about building our kingdom. It's about influencing the world and the community in which God has placed us in. And I want to close with this appeal. I'll just say this, that vision costs something. It costs time. It costs effort. It costs finances. My challenge this year is to see us growing in our giving. Uh, you know, is this a, a financial challenge to be thrown out? Well, not necessarily, because I don't talk about money too often. But I want to be open to the fact, and I do believe that we can tap into something that will help us continue to make a difference in the world. We don't collect an offering here at Seoul. We have the joy baskets. You give joyfully. If you're a miser and you don't want to give, we don't want your money. We don't pass the plate. We don't take the offering. When you come, you can give uh, joyfully. Uh, I talk more about giving in our growth tracks, and I can answer all and any questions there. But if you want to give, there are multiplicity of different ways that you can give here at Seoul. Um, you know, uh, we want to pay off this mortgage. We pay about $20,000 a month just to go towards our mortgage alone. And uh, so we have bills, we have commitments, and I, you, need, you need to know about there. Last year I said one of our goals was to put a, a lift in, right? Look what's happening. Look what's happening. Look what's happening. Was that, I, we didn't have a lift. It's taking forever, but it's coming in. I want to bless you for being along for the ride. I hope I challenge you this morning. Why attend regularly? Because I'll say this, because you and your family needs you to go. You need to go. It honors God. It is an expression of our discipleship and faithfulness. It's part of what it means to be a Christian. As Sharon said earlier, Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. 
And the last reason we gather together is to share in communion. That's what we're going to do as a community right now. Now, we practice what is known as an open table here at Seoul. That means if you're a believer, we invite you to come and participate and be a part of this. But if you're a guest today and you're not a believer and you really don't know what this whole Jesus thing's all about, we encourage you just to sit back, to relax, and to take it all in. Josh, if you and your team can move. But sit back, relax, take it all in, just watch. Maybe he came with somebody, you can ask what the table's all about, what's going on. We also have gluten-free options, I believe, at each table. There should be for those. And uh, the band's going to lead us in a song. And during that time, there's four tables. There's one here at the front, two at the front, and then two at the back. I think, is there, yeah, two at the back. And so if I can have this section, if you guys would move out and you'd make your way back in here. And then this section here, if you guys would be able to move out that way and uh, take your elements and come back to the seats. Same thing with here. Out, take your elements, come back to your seats. And then this section here as well. Um, just move out, uh, receive your elements, and then back to your seats. So what we're going to do is we're going to do communion together. We're going to remind ourselves what this is all about. Um, will you stand with me? And I've asked that this song would be sung as we move, and I'm just going to ask you to do something interesting. We're moving in community. We usually talk. It's usually a joyful. I'm just going to ask you to move quietly and listen to the words of this song. Go ahead. Still know 
and minds as we enter into this time of communion, Lord. Allow me to do an interpretive reading of Psalm 63. We seek you, God. We have waiting hearts for you. Like dry summer grass longs for a slow drenching rain. God, we wait for you. Many have seen the miracles. We have felt your presence in the past. And we long to feel your presence in this place now. And Father, we pray to you until the day we die. We would give up all that we have to feel your arms around us. And a moment with you is like being invited to the party of the year. And so as we lie awake in bed, we will listen for you. We will sing songs about you in the night. And those that mock and laugh at me for believing in you will eventually 
be cold and silent because your kingdom is where the party is and we will dance and we will sing and we will celebrate for eternity. Amen. Just take a moment and meditate silently on the things of your week or your lives. Maybe that you've done wrong and you just... You just need God's grace. You need God's forgiveness. This is the best time for it, man. Because the elements are a reminder of his forgiveness is right there, right at hand. God, we often fall short of the mark. And again, you never said this path we are on is an easy one. And many of us, even today, we're carrying heavy baggage with us. We ask that you'd help us leave behind the things that we don't need. We ask that you would help us carry the things that we can't give, <laughs> can't yet give up. And we know that someday you will come and free all the things that hold us back or drag us down. Until then, God, walk with us. And we give these things. the day of Passover, Jesus sent Peter and John off saying, go prepare the Passover for us so that we can eat together. And they said, hey, Jesus, you know, where do you want us to do this? Jesus looked at them and he said, look, at it. keep your eyes open when you enter the city. You're going to see a guy carrying a water jug and he's going to meet with you. You follow him home. Then speak to the owner of the house and tell him, say, look, at the teacher wants to know, uh, where is this guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? And he's going to show you a very spacious second-story room, swept, ready to go, prepare the meal there. The story is found in Luke chapter 22. The disciples left. They found everything exactly as Jesus said and told them to be. They prepared the Passover meal, and then it was time. And it's interesting. I took the youth on a... Uh, every day I had a different team of youth, and we walked... Uh, the area of the camp, up the hills, down the hills. We walked the feet of Jesus, so to speak. I taught them a little bit about the Bible. And we talked and we ended off at our trailer, the upper room. And we talked about the custom of foot washing. And uh, it was funny because I actually had made these kids wash each other's feet. It was bizarre. It was so foreign to our culture. But in the preparation to that, Jesus knew what he was walking into. Jesus knew that he was going to die. Jesus invites those closest to him, his friends, of which one will sell him out, one will deny him, and the rest of all, all of them all bugger off and hide and desert him. Walks into that room, they start eating right away. Nobody has the humility to do anything terms of what needs to be done, the common courtesy of washing feet after a long journey. And so Jesus himself gets up, puts the robe around him, kneels down and starts washing everybody's feet to show humility, to show love, and to tell his disciples, when you think about it, the future of the church, what they need to do to the world around them. And he sets it by example. They're all in shock. They can't believe what's taking place. And then Jesus goes back to the meal. He continues on to the meal. And then he takes the cup. 
blesses the cup. And it's interesting because in Luke, it's backwards from what we normally do it. Scripture says, taking the cup, he blessed it. Then he said, take this and pass it among you. As, as for me, I will not drink the wine again until the kingdom of God arrives. Then he takes the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you, eaten in my memory. And he did this, the same with the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant written in my blood, blood that's poured out for you. We are so grateful for the broken body of Christ and we come together as a family to do just that. I would like you to follow along the screens with me before we participate together. It's very clear. I got the top, you got the bottom. So, in the quiet of the night, in the silence of the moment, Like Elijah who listened after the mighty wind. Like David on the roof of the palace. Like Samuel lying awake in bed. Now and tomorrow. laugh and when we pray when we hear music or the tears of children when we need to give advice to a friend when our words are just not enough when our own lives are in trouble When there is no one else to turn to. So creator God, we take the body and the blood of your son into our bodies. Let Jesus be a part of us as you are a part of him. So guide our hearts, our thoughts, allow us to be one in the body of Christ. And may Jesus be part of all that we think, think about and all that we do. And may his body and his blood nourish and make us whole. Let's eat the bread together. Let's drink together. Father, this is my prayer for the city. That you would give us wisdom and courage and that you would send us into the city with the courage Jesus had at his entry into Jerusalem. That he told the truth and that we would tell the truth. That we would begin with those who claim to be children of God, but live as if they were God, doing as they please, wanting all their sins forgiven, but never being inconvenienced on their Savior's behalf. We ask for the courage and the boldness for us to speak to those with a stern love that calls them to grow up and to consider others more highly than themselves and to take about themselves the life and humility of Jesus. May it begin with us, though, God. May it extend to those brothers and sisters who should be demonstrating your love and may it extend through us as well to the thousands that don't know you that are within miles of where we sit this morning. And Father, some of us, we, we love you like the rich young ruler. We're, you know, we're good people. We obey the commandments and you know, we follow you. We maybe even have the ability to make money. But my 
prayer is that they use that ability that you have given them not just to get more for themselves but rather to use the skills that come from you and the experience that you have given them on behalf of people that have no hope in our despair change our attitudes lord change our outlook may this room where people are they're very young and those just beginning uh, the their life in, in their journey in life Lord would you put in these people the ambition desire not to just be moral and successful but to actually be agents of our your kingdom in our hearts that our young people would look to our devastated city and ruined lands as a sign of sin and the devil and that they would do something and their hearts would come alive in a very special and significant way so Lord I pray that you'd make a difference. I pray that the greatest outcome of this church will be the renewing, restoring, rebuilding in the name of your son. And I thank you that no matter where we've been, what we have done, that you're willing to accept us. And that's your, that's your forgiveness and your mercy are extended to us. It doesn't matter what kind of mess we've made of our lives in the past. You're inviting each and every one of us each day into amazing work. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, through hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitudes in your heart. Stand with me. The band's going to lead us out on a song, but before they just do that, in the ancient times, one who blessed extended his hands for a blessing, one receiving the blessing did likewise. So if you want a blessing this week, just put your hands in the air, and here it is. This week, Soul Sanctuary, may God walk with you. May His grace over uh, <clears throat> may His grace flow over you. May He give you strength to be victorious. And when you feel alone, may He illuminate your eyes to see that He is walking with you in that dark valley. And may He be your life preserver when the water's beyond your head, and may He be your cooling water when you're going through the fire. Just remember, folks, he is with you now as you leave. Go and be the church. Amen.